lollygagged the ball around the infield. You lollygagged your way down to first. You lollygagged in and out of the dugout. Do you know what that makes you, Larry? Lollygaggers. Lollygaggers. This is the Bullpen Brothers. And Bullpen Brothers right here through 107.7. The franchise, Dave Myrick, pleased to be joined by Reeves Mitchell as uh, Randy Heights is still on the DL. We expect to get him back next week. But Reeves, we were both down in uh, Arlington for Big 12 Media Days. We're going to jump to football real quick and uh, see if anything stood out to you. Uh, I I have to say, I, I noticed a certain... I wouldn't say pettiness, but it's kind of awkward right now with OU and Texas in this league. Uh, kind of reminds me or makes me think of you know a couple that's gotten divorced and, and they're now living with the new husband. It's it's a weird 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 feeling going on. You kind of start to pencil in you know different comments by coaches and and Big Twelve staff and. I don't know. Did you kind of pick up what I'm putting down? It's just kind of an uneasy feel right now regarding that subject. Yeah, the the way you put it about the uh, divorce is a good way to put it, definitely. It was fun to be down there in Arlington with you, Dave. Uh, yeah, I got that vibe for sure, you know, around most of the programs. And it def- definitely when the deputy commissioner had the uh, statement he had, about OU being the reluctant bride following Texas and how, oh, Texas would rather lose to, you know, the case, or sorry, to uh, the Floridas and the Alabamas of the world rather than losing to Iowa State and Kansas State. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just thought that was a weird way to, you know, put it when these two teams are out the door. And, you know, we knew there was going to be some pettiness around it. It's not, you know, a perfect situation. It is a little bit awkward. Uh, because any team in the Big 12 would have taken this opportunity in the SEC. So sure. they're looking at OU Texas like uh, you guys are the lucky ones. You know, you get to go. But another thing I picked up from media days, I mean, every team that's staying in the Big 12, they seem very confident about this upcoming season. You know, they very, they really harped on the fact that they really believe it's the most competitive conference in the country and that top to bottom, really any of these teams can have a chance to win it. And we saw that last year with – you know, teams pick sixth and seventh playing in the championship. You don't really know what's going to happen, but I thought all these coaches seem very confident in the future of the conference. But I agree with you. I mean, I thought the deputy commissioner's comments were very strange. Very strange, yeah. And it's, uh, you know, you get Mike Gundy up there, which Mike is never going to hold back, and they ask him about uh, the Bedlam rivalry not happening anymore, and he says, hey, talk to Oklahoma. They're the ones that decided to leave it. You just kind of get a, you know, the teams are a little bit pissed off that Oklahoma and Texas, you know, threw deuces and are out the door. But like you said, any of them would have jumped at this opportunity. It's the best conference on planet Earth for college football, and that's why we were there. That's what we were talking about. So, you know, financially it makes sense. Uh, Geographically, it's starting to make a little bit more sense as the Southeastern Conference announced yesterday that next year's media days will be in Dallas. So... They are uh, moving some things around to accommodate the move for Oklahoma and Texas. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you. It seemed like every Big 12 coach that got up there banged the same drum. Uh, deepest league, top to bottom, the most competitive top to bottom. They were all kind of kind of chanting that. And I think that's going to be their mantra, you know, moving forward. It's not one team or two teams. It's the entire thing as a collective. 
and uh, they made that that very well known. But Reeves, let's uh, switch gears here and talk a little college baseball. Oklahoma, Skip Johnson has been busy on the recruiting trail and the portal. I know that they picked up uh, a pitcher from Sam Houston State, uh, Braden Davis. Well, what do you? What's your thoughts about uh, about Braden coming to Norman? Yeah, I've been looking into Braden a little bit. Uh, he's a sophomore coming out of Sam Houston State. He's a bullpen guy, so uh, you know, left-handed guy. I think he throws pretty hard. Had a really good year last year, especially towards the end of the year. Uh, he had 11 appearances uh, with a save and one six one point six two ERA. Struck out 22, only walked five. So, I mean, pretty efficient stuff from this kid. And uh, one of OU's best pieces last year, I thought, and I'm sure you would agree with me, and our bullpen was Carter Campbell. He was a lefty as well. You know, he was just honestly one of the more reliable guys Skip Johnson could call on out of the pen. So getting another reliable lefty that you know is going to throw strikes, not going to walk a lot of guys, not going to get himself in, you know, these – pressure pack situations where maybe you have to call on another pitcher, stuff like that. I think that's going to be really helpful. So, I mean, expect big things out of Braden Davis. Uh, OU needs more depth than their bullpen, I would say, after watching last year. So, mm-hmm. you know, the more the more guys you can get, the more the merrier. Yeah, I completely agree. Man, the grind of that college baseball season, it, it just, you know no – <laughs> These guys are also carrying a full course load uh, and playing that many games, that many practices, man. It, and then you start to get in the dog days of summer when, you know, the, the heat in Oklahoma and humidity. It, yeah, you need guys stacked in that bullpen to come out and produce. And I, I think they're working the right direction. Uh, also picked up Jacob Lapham, first team all-conference pitcher, right-handed uh, guy from New York. Very impressive. He's got some some impressive locks flowing out under that hat that I'm sure Skip is not going to like, and that's going to have to go, kind of like Dakota Harris last year. But beyond that, he should like the transition of playing in Norman opposed to New York uh, weather-wise. But uh, they also picked up a gigantic bat. I actually knew who this cat was following junior college baseball this year, Carter Frederick. This guy can rake, all right? He's got the nation's best junior college batting average at 493, hit 14 jacks, 53 RBI, and there was a massive worry that he would be drafted. In fact, he was a guy that people were like, yeah, he'll never play in Norman. Didn't happen, and he will be in Norman next year to go along with guys like Bryce Madrin and John Spikerman, who's having a tremendous summer, uh, kind of picking up where he left off the last six weeks of the season, but... Sets up for a very exciting 24 with guys like Jackson Nicholas, Kendall Pettis, Madron, Spikerman. Guys that you know what they've done. You've seen it to that Omaha run. A few of them experienced a sophomore slump last year. Understandable with what they lost. But I think that they're kind of creating their own identity. You know, after losing guys like Peyton Graham and Treadaway and Crooks. They had to figure out what it's like to play without those guys and be the guys. And I think... The newcomers coming in to mix with that, gel with that, makes for a very exciting 24 looking ahead. Where's uh, Where's Frederick going to slide in position-wise? Is he an outfielder? Great question. <laughs> that's, that's one of the unknowns, man. Yeah, he's an outfielder. And uh, right now, Oklahoma returns one of the deepest and fastest and best outfields in the country. So. No doubt. That that's a that's a good question. I've I've actually talked to a, a couple players' dads about that, and uh, if if he can play any infield, I have a feeling that's where they're going to try him first. I mean, if you can hit, Skip's going to find a way to get you in that lineup too. And the power is the thing that stood out when you were talking about him. 
if he can provide that power for OU next year, I think that's something they're really missing this year. Because, I mean, like you were saying, Crooks and Shredway, man, they provided a lot of that power on the uh, run to Omaha two years ago. So you need to replace some of that. And obviously getting Bryce Madrin last year, he was very, he was pretty good on the power end. But some other guys that you expected, maybe a few more home runs from them, a few more, you know, slugging, a little more slugging from them, it didn't really show up. Mm-hmm. So if you can get some slugging from this dude and, you know, maybe – another transfer to i think this lineup's looking pretty good next year reeves i gotta i gotta admit man i'm I'm pretty harsh on ou baseball but the more i look at it and, and look at what's coming back and what's still out there in the pen and what they've got to, to play with for a friday saturday sunday rotation i'm starting to dig it uh Car- yeah carter frederick man that was one of the biggest needs i thought uh was a power bat for exactly what you said they need to just go out and get some guys that can pop the ball over the wall it's what they missed last year it's what did not replicate itself from losing like guys like Peyton Graham and Crooks. And I, I think they're on the right track, and I think you'll see a lot more start to step up that we expected last year, like guys like Jackson Nicholas. Hey, he had 15 jacks. The, the Omaha run didn't happen last year, but we know that talent's there. So, uh, yeah, good start there and what they're, they're trying to replace. But, Reeves, we are going to, uh, speaking of Bryce Madrin, we are going to get him on the show to talk about you know, what what he's been up to this summer, maybe some Savannah banana talk. Uh, I know that he, he was uh, had a chance to go in the draft, decided not to, and, and will return to Oklahoma for uh, his junior year. But uh, without further ado, Bryce Madrin from the University of Oklahoma. And as mentioned, Oklahoma outfielder Bryce Madrin joins us fresh off the links this morning in a scramble and shot two over and was not happy with it. And I think the rest of us mortals would take it. Bryce, how you doing, bud? I'm good. How are you? Doing good, Bryce. Man, just wanted to, you know, catch up with you this summer. I, I know that uh, the draft was a, a key topic of conversation a few weeks ago. If you could kind of walk us through that, uh, y- you know, the entire ordeal from from getting offers and then, you know, talking with your family and then how you finally arrived at the decision to, uh, to stay at Oklahoma. Yeah, it's definitely a stressful week. If you don't know that you're a top guy, then it's definitely a stressful week because you really don't know what's going on but i mean i got had a few offers but it didn't really re- reach the number that i wanted so i was like well i'll come back to OU for my senior year and try to have another good year uh bryce yes you uh so you didn't declare for the draft but i know you're still working on your body and stuff for uh, next season so but walk me through some of the things you've done over the off season so far just to I know we're a long way away, but just to be ready for uh, the next season. Yeah, I mean, I go down to Blanchard. It's a 20-minute drive from Norman. So me and little brother get after it in the weight room, play catch. we got a pretty nice hit barn up there. So it's, uh, it's a good place to be for the offseason for sure. Nice, Bryce. So, you know, we've kind of kept tabs on guys that are coming back next year, and it looks like quite a few. Found out Anthony McKenzie is going to return. Uh, you got Nicholas back at second, you know, Rocco maybe at first, but that outfield, man, with you and Spike and Pettis, you guys can go get it. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I think we definitely have a really good outfield. I'm excited to play with them again. Have you got a chance to uh, to kind of keep up with, with who Skip and the boys have been bringing in portal-wise? I know that uh, Carter Frederick was another Juco guy they brought in that looks like he can hit. Have you, have you heard much about the, the new guys yeah. that will be joining you next year? I haven't heard a whole lot. They just keep coming in. 
it's hard to keep track of them. But I, I'm excited. I've heard good things about the new coach we got and the new players that we've got, so I'm, I'm excited. Bryce, with uh, last year being your first year in the Big 12, what, what are some of the things you kind of learned from, you know, playing in that competitive conference for a uh, year? It's just everybody's good. I mean, there's really no bad teams. I mean, everybody everybody can play, everybody can swing it, everybody can throw it. So, I mean, it's just a different level from a JUCO, just not by a huge margin, but everybody's good. Bryce, it seemed the first part of last year, I mean, dude, you were getting on base. Your on-base percentage was, was mm-hmm. just nasty. I think you led the nation in walks. But it looked like the back half of the season, man, you started to get more aggressive, maybe first pitch swinging. Was that something you decided to do, or the coach was like, man, start swinging that bat? Uh, a little bit of both. I'm I'm usually not the person to take a lot of pitches, and that's who, that's what I did in the beginning of the season. So I made a mindset change. I was just like, I'm going to go after it. I'm going to hunt my pitch, and hopefully something good happens. Bryce, you're definitely on the smaller side for outfielders, but you still have a lot of pop in that bat. Can you kind of talk about maybe when you added that to your game, or have you always had uh, power in your game? Uh, as I've gotten older, the power's kind of come along. Uh, high school, I had a little bit of juice, but nothing crazy. And once I went to uh, Cali County, that kind of hit the weight room extremely hard in both the falls that I was there. And it just popped off a little bit. Bullpen brothers Dave Meyer, Reeves, Mitchell, pleased to be joined by Oklahoma outfielder Bryce Madrin through 107.7, the franchise. Bryce, all right, enough about the uh, the baseball and work stuff. Dude, tell us what you're up to this summer, man. Have you hit the lakes? I know that you golfed this morning. What, what all you got going on? Yeah, it's kind of just hanging out. Um, been at the lake a couple times. Got some friends with the boat, so that's always nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have to spend my money on gas and stuff like that, so I just it's a long for a ride. <laughs> Are you a wakeboard guy or a ski guy or none of the above? Uh, I'm a wakeboard guy if we have a, the right boat. But I've been uh, chilling on a pontoon boat a, a few times over the summer, so I haven't really got the chance to wakeboard. Man, I think the pontoon's the way to go. I mean, it's, it's a good chill vibe there. Boys, yeah, I've, I've had a wake runner for the last 10 years, and I've, I've envied people I've seen in pontoons because they can do it all, man, and that pontoon can fit a lot of people. It's like a big party barge. But, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, well, Reeves, if you got anything else for Bryce, fire away. If not, we'll let him eat his taco mayo. <laughs> uh, I know they asked you about the Savannah Bananas last time, Bryce, but I just yeah, I wanted to ask you a little bit about it because I wasn't on here. Uh, what are some experiences you learned from that, and what was it like playing with those different roles? Because that – had to throw you off a little bit at first. Yeah, at first it was definitely different. Definitely something you had to grow into. But, I mean, it was an amazing experience. I, I learned a lot. So, I mean, just coming out of my shell, I was pretty shy back in the day. But not anymore. I'm, that kind of pushed me out of it. And it, was, it was a great experience to be there. Last thing I got for you, uh, Bryce. Right. Obviously, the, the Charlottesville Regional didn't go how you guys expected. But, uh well, can you kind of walk me through the vibe in the locker room after that? Obviously, I'm sure you guys were sad the season was over, but was there kind of a vibe like, let's run this thing back? Or Yeah, kind no of doubt. Uh, I mean, at the end of the season, it's it's still sad. You know, you still got guys leaving. For sure. I mean, the guys understand, the new they understand. I mean, they were 
I mean, they were already ready to work. I mean, that's that's one thing about our team is we're, we're never going to shy away from the work that we put in for sure. Yeah, and it sets up a very exciting 24, man, with the pieces you guys have returning and the new additions they're bringing in. Can't wait to see you guys out there, uh, especially like I mentioned, that outfield. You guys are going to be dynamic, fast, and very talented. Well, Bryce, thanks so much for coming on with us and making some time to do so, and enjoy the rest of the summer, buddy. Will do. Thank you, guys. All right, thanks, Bryce. Bryce. That's Bryce Madrin, senior outfielder for the Oklahoma Sooners. Tag Firearms is the premier seller of high-end brand firearms. AR-10 and 15 rifles by Noveski and LMT. Proof Research carbon fiber barrels and lightweight hunting rifles. Nighthawk and Staccato 2011 handguns. Silencers, receivers, optics, and night vision products by B&T, Envision, Defiance Machine, EOTech, Q, and Thunderbeast. Tag ships anywhere in the U.S. Visit tagfirearms.com. And Bullpen Brothers through 107.7, the franchise, Dave Myrick. And I am pleased to be joined by my regular partner and founder of The Feast, host of the show, Mr. Randy Heights. Randy, how you doing, bud? I'm doing good. Slowly getting back in the groove, but, you know, hey, nothing like two summers in a row being injured. So that's the way it goes, right? Two years in a row, I've had issues where I haven't been able to do a whole lot through the summer. Well, that's life in the big city. You know, it, it's probably a good thing it's not during football season, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. And, and summertime in general, just, you know, all the local teams are, you know, as far as colleges are kind of dormant other than media days for football, which I know you went to last week. But, you know, that's all that pretty much happened once softball was done and baseball was done. It, it was a good time to have the surgery done. And now, now it's just a waiting game, waiting for doctor to clear me. That, that, that's what I'm waiting for now. I understand. Being married to one, she uh, she gets pressured all the time from people just in a huge rush to get back to work, if you can believe it. But, uh, well, Randy, I know you've had your finger on the pulse of sports, even though you've been home doing this rehab stuff. As you mentioned, I was at Media Days. We, we can jump into all that. But first and for- foremost, uh, hearing some news out of Norman might be a surprise to some, might not to others, about uh, a, a certain player returning to the roster that I think a lot of people thought uh, was going to be gone, and that is Anthony McKenzie, and, and that to me is gigantic. I, I think that's really big for a lot of reasons. I, I think we saw this team down the stretch last year kind of start to come together, and yes, they, they lost some players. I mean, they lost maybe the best player on their team last year, Dakota Harris, to the draft. I know a lot of people were kind of going back and forth with me on Twitter when I said, he's gone, and I was like, guys, he, or, you know that he was he'd probably come back since he's in the run with round pick, and I tried to explain to him. It, it's kind of the, the, the thing that people don't realize. When you're a junior in college baseball and you get drafted, that is your last year to have negotiating power. That is your last year to have leverage. Look at, at Dugas, the outstanding player from LSU. Mm-hmm. He came back after his junior, had another great year, was a six-round pick this year, Dave. Six-round pick. And some and Caleb, a young man that follows me all the time on Twitter, and we talk baseball, Caleb Coos, he's like, man, the rules have changed. I don't know if Dakota is fine. I'm like, Look at what Dugas got. Mm-hmm. Six round pick, Dave. He got twenty grand. Wow. Twenty grand. Slot value, I think, for that spot was like two hundred and fifty thousand. And that's what I've tried to explain to people. 
a lot of times the new rules, yes, they have changed how it works with that salary cap in the top 10 rounds, but that doesn't mean they have to meet slot value. So a lot of times guys will be taken in certain rounds because they, the organization wants the player, but they also want him because he's a senior, he's going to be a great asset to their thing, to their organization, but they can also go to that kid and go, look, we want you in our organization. Yeah, your slot value is 500000 Here's 50000 Because what else are you going to do as a senior? Right. You know, you're going to go play ball. So I know a lot of people, some people may have been a little surprised Dakota signed. And I know some people were out there on Twitter saying, hey, I think there's a good shot he comes back. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, there's not. Because that 150000 yeah, that number may have been lower than a slot value for him in the eighth or ninth round or if he even went higher. But it was probably more than he was going to get if he comes back next year. I mean, to get anything more than that, he would have had to have such an outstanding year that he moves up into the first or second rounds. Yeah, and, I agree. And, and that's the difference. Well, I mean, you know what? Casual fans are the ones that, that were saying that immediately. They don't understand the intricacies of college baseball. Yeah, if he comes back... He loses all negotiating power. It, it doesn't matter how good a season he has. I mean, you said it. You, you could just have an unbelievable season and move yourself up in the first or second round. If you don't do that, then you've just got to take what they, they offer because what other option do you have? No doubt. I mean, that's why I know when we started this podcast, we were talking and, you know, everyone was going back to last year's team. Everyone was shocked Brett Squires signed as a junior mm-hmm. a, dra- a, restrict- a free agent deal. He got $75,000 as a free agent. And I tried to explain to people that were a little upset he signed and surprised he signed. I'm like, that seventy five grand more than likely would have been more than what Squires would have got if he came back and was a 15th round pick. Yep. I mean, that's why, I mean, you see some junior signing free agent deals because it's like, hey, it's my chance. And I know there's another young man on the team that, you know, Bryce Madrin, that I'm sure teams are coming at him with some money because he's got a chance, but there's a difference. He was a sophomore Juco transfer. Right. So he's got another year of leverage. So no matter what they offer him, yeah, if I'm Bryce Madrin, I end up back on the Norman campus because I think he started finding his stride towards the end of last year with his power numbers, and I think you're going to see those increase next year because he got comfortable at the Division One level, and he will have a shot to get drafted, let's just say, in the 11th round or in the top 10 rounds and make $200,000 on a signing bonus, you know, because that's the thing. Those contracts, that signing bonus, that's all those guys are going to make for the first foreseeable future for the most part, besides minor league salaries. It's not like getting drafted in the NFL where you sign a three-year, $4 million deal. No, I mean, that, that's your salary. You're going to live off your signing bonus for the first several years of your professional career. Yeah, and after taxes and, you know, a lot of bus rides and, and those guys don't make a ton, you know, playing A, double A, high A ball. That's, I mean, yeah, that's got to last them. And I can tell you, uh, I've talked to some guys that know Bryce Madrin was offered 150000 by a couple teams. And uh, specifically because what we are discussing chose to return to Norman because he knows if he puts a good season together, he will have negotiating power with whoever comes at him next year. So he's, he's looking to up his draft stock, and he's in a great spot to do it. Dakota Harris wasn't. That's why he's gone, and a lot of people don't get that. But let's uh, let's move on to some additions. Uh, Skip and the boys have been busy with the portal. 
Looks like uh, Braden Davis, pitcher coming in from Sam Houston State. Good pickup. <laughs> what have you seen about him? And, you know, he was a guy that pitched, I believe, out of the bullpen for Sam Houston last year. And, you know, he could be a closer type guy. But I know the day after he committed to Oklahoma, I was following Cape Cod teams. He's pitching up there, and he was starting a game. And through, through, inning, through three innings, he had struck out five of the nine guys he faced. I mean, so he's got very powerful stuff. He's got great deception. I think he's a really good get. I mean, it's not one that you're going to look at and go, oh, my goodness. You know, they didn't go get Chase Burns like Wake Forest did from Tennessee, which that transfer in the college baseball world still shocks me a little what happened there. You know, it wasn't the biggest name, but he was a really good get. And I really think for Oklahoma, and I think we've had this discussion before, Dave, they're fighting a battle an uphill battle a little bit right now with NIL dollars for college baseball. There's a lot of programs that have a lot of money out there. But I think what they have done has been very strategic from the two pitchers they got from Wichita State to the young man they got from Sam Houston State. You know, they're going out there and getting some of those, hey, it may not be the household name that's in the transfer portal, but really good kids. So I like what they've done in the portal so far this summer. Yeah, on that topic, I mean, we both sat here, you know, when the season ended and said, hey, look ahead to next year, what are the needs? Uh, right off the bat, a, a power bat, right? I mean, someone that can step up and, and provide some pop, and then they go out and get Carter Frederick, who, who led all junior college with a four ninety three average, 14 home runs, 53 RBI. A lot of people were worried he might get drafted, not make it to Norman. Didn't happen. He will be in Norman next year. Uh, have you had a chance to scout him out at all? Yeah, no, I, I, he's got a lot of power. I think he fits a lot of like what Oklahoma wants to do. He, he's a young man that I think you come in, you put him in the lineup, and let's just say, like you say, 14 home runs, but all of a sudden, if you got a guy like Madren, who, you know, was double-digit home runs this past season, you got Frederick coming in, that pop number starts to go up a little more for Oklahoma. I mean, I think we talked about it. You know, you can easily put him in there and say he replaces Dakota Harris because – to be honest, Dave, Dakota, what he had done offensively in JUCO was not as good as what he did at the Division One level last year for Oklahoma as far as power numbers and everything were concerned. So you would like to think those can kind of tra cancel each other out, and that's where you look at it and go, this team has gotten better through the JUCO ranks. I feel like they've done even a better job of recruiting JUCO. Mm -hmm. They got the other Ryback, I believe is how you say his name, the other young man, an outfielder from – Paris Junior College that, I mean, I'm telling you right now, in Madrin, Spikerman, and Pettis, you know, that's the outfield. But let me just tell you, there's going to be a battle in that outfield with Ryback coming in as well. That's what I've heard. This guy is a stud. So is Carter Frederick, Randy. And, and let me ask yeah. you, that, that starts to uh... – to get a little bit of a log jam out there in the outfield, I mean, Carter Frederick, uh, Rybach, I don't know if Frederick's played in the infield, but, I mean, what, if he can That's hit. You wonder about first base, can he go over there and play first? I right. Because I look at Anthony McKenzie coming back, you know, from what you're hearing. I personally look at Slatton Hill at third base potentially because mm -hmm. I thought he played really good last year when Wallace Clark, you know, you know, they kind of started sharing time, and I, I really liked what I saw out of McKenzie there, and that's that's kind of where I see him. So I kind of wonder if Frederick can't go over and play first or third and, you know, shortstop's open. I'm not saying Frederick's that, but you, you've got some open positions on the infield where he's that outfield's deep. But at the same time, I think that's good. 
sometimes like that last year, the depth, it's slowly getting to where it needs to be in college baseball. And this is going to be where Reggie's going to have to adjust. If you notice, he never changes the lineup, nope. which is good in a lot of ways. But sometimes guys need a day off. And so that depth will help them be just stronger throughout, where on a four-game week, you want to go two and two with guys starting. Hey, how good is that for you? Right. I mean, that, that's really a good spot for this team. Well, and if Carter Frederick can rake the way it looks like he can, uh, Skip will find a place for him in the lineup, whether it's DH. Right. Yeah, shortstop, I, I'm a 1,000% agree. That's what I said. Anthony McKenzie at third, that makes the most sense to me. He's got experience there. Uh, Jackson Nicholas back at second. You probably look at Rocco Garza Gangor maybe at first. Don't know. There'll probably be a battle there for for that one. But Randy, as you start to look ahead, it, it's kind of kind of exciting for OU baseball in twenty four with all the guys that that returned that we were not expecting them to. No doubt, and, and to be honest with you, not only the guys returning. I mean, they've got they've got a full lineup returning for the most part. You know, as far as key pieces. And guys have years under their belt, not freshmen going into their sophomore year. So that's a great news. And the draft, they've got a lot of young talent signed. And I'm not just blowing smoke. They've got some really good players, but the draft didn't kill them. Right. I mean, those guys taken in the 17th round, there were three guys. They're all going to come to campus. And, you know, they're going to be here. They only lost one of their high school guys that they'd had signed. And really, technically, last I checked, they hadn't even lost him. I expect him to sign. But they hadn't, he hadn't signed as of yet. So, I mean, you know, everything's wide open for this team. And I think that's where you have to be excited about where they're moving towards for next season. No question about it. Well, let's uh, let's change gears a little bit. You, uh, you brought it up. I was down at Big 12 Media Days. Uh, I spoke with Reeves Mitchell on the show a little earlier. He, he joined me in Arlington, a few things that... That stood out to us. I know that you uh, were keeping tabs and then all up to date on it. Uh, just my take, there seemed to be a little, I don't know if pettiness is the right word. It might be. From the Big yeah, from the Big 12 offices, from the coaches, it, it's just an awkward, I, I don't know. It, I brought it up to Reeves. It's kind of like a couple that got divorced and now the guy is living with the, the new husband in the same house. That's kind of the way it feels down there. It is, and it's almost the reason I was wishing that last year would have been Oklahoma and Texas last year in the Big 12. It's not a slam to anyone. Just, I mean, it's it's like getting a divorce, but then you're still living in the same house with your ex. <laughs> right. I, I mean, it, it's not it's not a fun spot to be in, and that's where they're at right now with these programs. And, and this is going to go for all the athletic teams because the Big 12, Nick, I. I'll give him up. I, John Mark's done a great job as getting the TV contract. He was at least honest. The contract he got, he doesn't know if he could get today, you know, in the market the way it is right now. And I, I don't think he's right, wrong. And so, yes, he's done a fabulous job of getting that for the Big 12 and keeping them as the third conference in Division One athletics as being the most relevant conference. So, I mean, but at the same time, there is that bitterness because – when you remove Oklahoma and Texas, the Big 12's not going to go getting any names no. for the most part that are going to replace that revenue dollar. And yeah, they're talking expansion, but I think what everyone has to realize, Big 12's actually in a really good spot, if you will, right now with what they've expanded to and the money they've got coming in, paying out for each team. That expansion has to be, I, I think there's a reason nothing else has been announced because Dave, you had the wrong teams. You're not adding more money in from a TV contract, but you're splitting those shares up. 
Right. And, and, and that takes out, that lowers the payout to every team that's in the conference right now. So, yeah, there's going to be some pettiness because they know financially they've been hurt. They've been hurt. They're losing their flagship state or flagship uh, programs that have kind of carried the mail for this league for, you know, since its inception. You had Nebraska a little bit. Uh, Colorado, Kansas State were good at the jump. But since then, it's been Oklahoma and Texas as the headliners. Now, the deputy commissioner, you know, coming out with his comments, well, they'd rather trade losing to Florida and Alabama than Iowa State and Kansas State. Yeah, there's some pettiness. Uh, they asked Mike Gundy about Bedlam. Well, hey, talk to Oklahoma. They're, they're the ones that decided to leave it. You start to piece these comments together, and, and overall, you kind of start to feel that sense that, yeah, there's there's kind of a dislike for what happened, and they're not happy about it, but here we all are, one big happy family. But, uh, well, Randy, if you've got anything else, fire away. If not, I'll let you get back to, uh, to your rehabbing and, and hope to get you full-time back on here soon. Yeah, I hope to be back next week, and we'll have an announcement about another podcast you and I are going to start for the football season. Can't wait to talk about that and let everyone know. But it's it's going to be a fun year, I think, here with you and I doing a couple of different podcasts throughout the 12-month period and talking a little college baseball and college football and look forward to getting back to back to normal next week, Dave, or at least close to <laughs> I'm sure you are. I can tell you we've all missed you and your, your wizardry as it comes to, uh, to sports knowledge. Yeah, the DNR football report will be uh, coming out very soon, and we've, we've got some good news. I've already got a couple interviews in the books down in Arlington for Media Days to, to open that up with, and we'll uh, look forward to, to jumping into that. But this has been Dave Myrick with the Bullpen Brothers right here through 107.7 The Franchise.